0: forty five Good evening, class. We're going to be talking about sanctification. You should have received your notes a little earlier this afternoon. Uh, if you did not, just shoot me an email. I'll get them out to you as soon as I possibly can. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk about what does it mean to be sanctified. Now, originally I was going to uh, group this study in with our study of salvation because sanctification is one of the provisions of salvation. But those of us in the Church of God tradition with our roots in the old holiness movement, what uh, what we call the Wesleyan holiness movement or the old Methodist movement of the uh, pre-Pentecostal uh, Movement before Azusa Street, before Camp Creek, uh, have a kind of a different slant or a different take. Uh, in Wesleyan holiness and in some Pentecostal churches like the Church of God, sanctification is seen more as its own separate doctrine. Uh, even though it's part of salvation, it's treated um, as sort of a, a second. Part or a second work. You may hear somebody call it the second work of grace. Uh, or if you grew up like I did, you heard about being saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. So actually, you were you were told to seek three experiences: get saved, get sanctified, and get filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, that you know, we, we can talk about whether that's theologically accurate or not. But in, in a lot of Pentecostal minds, sanctification is seen sort of as a sister doctrine to salvation. So we're going to look at it that way. Uh, but I do want to make it very clear that you can't, that if you're saved, you're sanctified. Uh, that's part of what it means to be saved. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, which is our head verse, which says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. And let me just stop there. I don't know how many of you are real familiar with the letter to the 1st Corinthians, but there, there were some things happening in Corinth that were uh, not exactly what we would associate with sanctification. There are some attitudes, some carnality, some immaturity, some things happening. Uh, you know, First Corinthians is one of Paul's first uh, and Second Corinthians both are one of Paul's uh, sort of strongest uh, apostolic letters. He's really setting things right that have gone wrong. But notice here in his opening salutation, he acknowledges that they are sanctified in Christ Jesus. But he also acknowledges that those sanctified in Christ Jesus. They are called to be saints. In other words, you're supposed to act your age. You're supposed to act like what you are. And we're going to talk about those two aspects of sanctification. Uh, But with all who are in every place, call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. So uh, let's begin with what is sanctification. The first mention of sanctification in the Bible is all the way back in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. So we're... We're right at the beginning of the story of the Scriptures. And in Genesis chapter 2, it says to verse 3 that God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he had rested from all his work which God had created and made. So the sanctification, the primary meaning is the dedication or consecration or setting apart of a day or an object, or a place, or a person for a holy purpose. So when we take something, be it Sundays, or in the Old Testament, Sabbath days, or we take a, a, a vessel, like an altar, or a communion table, or a pulpit, or we take a, a building, like the church house at, eighteen ninety, Southwest thirty first Avenue in Fort Lauderdale. but we take a person, like a priest or a pastor, or a teacher. Anything or person that we set apart and dedicate to the service of the Lord is a sanctified thing, is a sanctified person. That's what the word originally means. To be sanctified is to be set apart for a holy purpose. Now of course the 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 uh, Alternative meaning, or the second meaning, or the secondary meaning of it, comes from the fact that if you do take something, let's say we do take a day, or a building, or a person, and we set that apart for the service of the Lord, we wouldn't just give give it to the Lord without doing what? Without cleansing it and preparing it, and and you know doing everything we can to make it acceptable to make it. Something that would be a, a blessing would be uh, something that uh, would be a, a good vessel for the master's use, you know. I always kind of, you know, I always kinda, used to get kind of a joke, you know, kind of a, a lighthearted spirit about it. Never resented it, never took any offense. It's just something amusing to me about human nature is that a lot of times I would get a call from people or somebody would come by the church and say we have this furniture or we have this this uh material or we have this whatever that uh you know we've used we've got new stuff but this stuff we just don't want to throw it away so we want to give it to the church well, in my mind i would think well you know if you really believed the church to be the house of god you'd keep the old stuff and give the new nice stuff to to the lord you know and that's kind of a lighthearted look at it that if we're going to give something to the Lord, and then particularly if we're going to give ourselves to the Lord, then we need to put a lot of effort into cleansing and preparing ourselves or preparing that we're going to turn over to God uh, so that it's acceptable to God, so that it's something that uh, God can actually do something with. And, and so we want to understand sanctification in those two uh, aspects of both something that's dedicated to the holy purpose and also the way that we cleanse it and prepare it to fulfill the holy purpose. Do I have any uh, comments or questions so far?
1: Now, no, Bishop, you, you, you just, I'm sorry, was somebody else going to say something? No sir, you go ahead now, you just said something about uh cleansing yourself before you come to the Lord. How do you do that
0: all right so let's let's talk about the uh part of sanctification that God does and the part of sanctification that's our responsibility obviously until God does his part, there's really nothing we can do you can uh you know you can take every uh thing that you think is wrong in your life and, and put it in a pile and burn it all up. You can, you know, you can discipline yourself. You can, you know, try to try to reform all your bad habits. But in the end, sanctification is the work of God in us and through us. And then we respond to that work by then taking the extra step of putting away the offensive thing or putting away the old nature. So let's start with God's part. God's part is to sanctify us first of all uh positionally. So when you set something apart, that's positional sanctification. I you know, we have this building here at uh that uh, we call a church. Uh it is set apart for the use of the kingdom of God. We don't run you know, we don't run a business out of here, we don't do you know <laughs> it's it's for the purpose of God. Anything that happens in this building because of its position, because it's been set apart, has to be a kingdom purpose, has to be a holy purpose. But we also understand that sanctification positionally also has to be accompanied by and followed by sanctification practically. So that means that Having set the building apart, it's our responsibility now to keep it clean. Remember when Jesus washed his disciples' feet the night of the Lord's Supper. What did he say? You know, Peter said, "Lord, not my feet, just my feet, but you know wash my hands, wash my head, wash my whole being." And the Lord says to him, "You're already clean. You're clean through the word I've spoken to you, but you have to continue to do this part. To stay that way. So, for you and I, uh, when we come to Christ in faith, the Father sanctifies us. He sets us apart for His own special purposes. We become a special treasure to the Lord. But then we have to respond to what God is doing in us. Notice that. Remember that verse in uh, Philippians chapter two, where He says, "Work out your own salvation." Yet it is God who is working. In you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. So, our part of cleansing ourselves is a response to the action of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in initiating that sanctifying position for us. And and, uh, anytime we uh, know, anytime we're aware, anytime the Holy Spirit makes us aware. Of something in our mind, in our heart, in our life that needs to be cleansed or purged or removed or cut off, you know we have the responsibility of actually doing that. The Holy Spirit can come to you and say, and you know depending and I'm just going to use some vague examples uh I'm not trying to be specific to any one person or you know we all have our own thing, but maybe before you got saved, you like to to go out and party and drink and you know corrals and all of that. Well, certainly, once the Lord sets you apart, sanctifies you for His purpose, the response from you should be what? Should it should be to cut yourself off from those degrading things, those disabling things, those uh, uh, those things that hinder uh, your testimony and hinder your your uh, walk and your faith, uh, and and God will help you do that. God will will give you a desire for holy things, and he will help you lose that desire for unholy things. But you have to be cooperative, and you have to respond to God's grace. Uh, Anyone else want to speak to that or anything else we've talked about so far? Well, somebody else want to say something, I don't hear anybody, sir, so go ahead. Oh, I,
1: I, I always believed that uh, since we came into this world with the seed of Adam, spiritually dead, then we have to be regenerated, made spiritually alive. And and, and my understanding of that is that regeneration precedes sanctification, in, in, in as much as both of them can happen at the same time. But, but first you, you have to be made spiritually alive. And then because you're made spiritually alive, like you said, those things that I used to do, uh, I, you know, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Those things that I used to indulge in because of being made spiritually alive, now I don't have the propensity to do those things. My only wish and hope now, or my only desire now is to do those things that pleases God. And, and like you said, it is it is him that works in me both to will and to do of
0: his good pleasure.
1: Is my understanding of that correct? Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I would think so. I very much agree that you, you know, you can't be sanctified until you're born again. You can't be sanctified until you're saved. Um, you know, part of the sanctification process, if we, if we look at it in a negative, and if we look at the negative side and the positive side, if we, if we go to a passage like Galatians, um, uh, Galatians chapter 2, says, if we seek to be justified by Christ and we are also found sinners, is Christ therefore the minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes to the law, then Christ died in vain. I think that speaks to that what you're talking about, that when we're born again, there is a two part sanctifying work. One is the crucifying of the flesh, the, the putting to death of the old nature. And and let me make this very clear. I, I know some of us grew up with the idea of entire sanctification, or what some people call perfectionism, and some, some things some misunderstandings there about how words are used. There is no redemption of the sinful nature. There is no way to sanctify the sinful nature. The only thing the Bible ever tells us to do with the old nature is kill it, crucify it, put it to death, nail it to a cross. There's no way to reform it. There's no way. Paul says in Romans 12, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you be uh, that you present your body's living sacrifices and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there, there has to be a transformation. There has to be a renewing. There has to be a new life imparted, a new character imparted. That's the part that gets sanctified. The old nature, the sinful nature, if you go back to Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 8, you know, Paul talks about his flesh being under the law of sin, but his mind being under the law of God. Uh, we have to understand that um, sanctifying, or trying to sanctify our old nature is pointless. That nature has been condemned. It was condemned on the cross. It dies with Christ. In as far as it. Has left its imprint on our on our our flesh. So if you think of the body, the body is the instrument. It's the vessel of the spirit. It's the vessel of the soul. The vessel of the mind. So that old sinful nature has left some very. Um, it's left a lot of imprints, it's left a lot of tracks on our bodies. Uh, every appetite we have has been corrupted by that old nature. The sexual appetite, the, the appetite for life, for, you know, for power, for, for food, for drink, you know, for everything has been corrupted. So when we talk about sanctifying the flesh, we're not talking about sanctifying the old nature. We're actually talking about sanctifying the body that that old nature used to live in and the body that the new nature now lives in. And that's where we have to bring our bodies into subjection. That's where we have to bring every thought into captivity to Christ Jesus. That's where we have to give our body over as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. But we can only do so if we've already experienced the renewing of our minds, the transformation of our minds, the regeneration of our spirits. As long as the sinful nature remains in charge, uh, nothing we do is sanctified. Nothing we do is holy. Even if we have the best intentions in the world,
2: It's still if it's,
0: if it's a product of the old nature, it is, it is not acceptable. All right, so let's go a little bit further down this road then. Um, yes, positionally we are sanctified. We are we are baptized into Christ, right? That's what being part of being saved. Is you're baptized into Christ, you're not part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ, no one could argue, no one would try to argue that the body of Christ is not holy. If it's the body of Christ, it's holy, right? We can all agree on that. So if I'm part of the body of Christ, I am part of that holy body. And I am a sanctified person. However, I may not be a mature person. I may still have things in my life that need to be brought under subjection, submission, surrender to the holiness of Christ. And that's where we get this idea of a progressive sanctification or a growing, maturing sanctification where and I've used this analogy before, and I'll use it again. When uh, um, what I have learned in my life is every time I think I'm okay, when I think I've conquered the last, uh, you know, the last holdout in my mind or in my spirit, uh, I find that the Holy Spirit always digs up something new. Right? The closer I get to Christ. The more like Christ I become, the more the imperfections in my own life are manifest. So um, it's not going to be a great analogy, but it's one I like to use because I think it it, it speaks directly to the the matter. If if we were in the sanctuary tonight, and right now only two of us are, but if we all were, and uh, all these lights went out except one, right, there's one light on in the back. We'd be able to see, but we wouldn't be able to see real clearly. And I could have a big stain on my shirt from dinner, you know, fine dinner. My wife made me a good dinner tonight, or Jody made it. I think it was Jody who made it, but somebody made me a good dinner tonight. I could have a big stain on my shirt, but you couldn't see it because there's not enough light. But the more lights we turn on, the more obvious the stains are going to be. And in the purest form of light, you not only will be able to see the stain on my shirt, but you'll be able to see every tiny little imperfection in the cloth and every tiny little place in the shirt where maybe the seam isn't perfect or maybe where the, you know, the, 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 the embroidery is, is fraying a little bit. The closer we get to the light of God, the more aware we're going to become. Of how short we have fallen and how far from perfect we actually are, and that's part of that sanctifying process. That's what progression means. If you think you're perfect now, if you think that's it, I've I've no. I've achieved sinless perfection. Well, first of all, congratulations. It's <laughs> a great achievement. But I would encourage you take one more step closer to God and see if you still see yourself the same way. Because the closer I get to God, the more I realize that there's things, not only things I've done, but I tell you, there comes a time where you start to realize all the things that you haven't done, all all the sins of omission, all the times you should have done this or done that and didn't, the time you should have given and you didn't, the time you should have helped somebody and you didn't. So this progressive sanctification is not meant to make us feel bad about ourselves. It's not meant to make get us frustrated. It's meant to draw us closer to God, to bring every part of our life and being into submission to the holiness of God as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So uh, this is a good thing. You know, It's a very good thing that God doesn't just say, okay, you're saved, that's it, I'm not going to do anything else with you. um if God left us all as he found us and just said, okay, you're saved, don't worry about the rest of your life, live however you want to live, do whatever you want to do, we'll all meet in heaven and have hot dogs. Um, that'd be great eventually, right? Eventually we'd all end up in heaven and have some nice hot dogs and it'd be great. But
2: you got to be in <laughs> the
0: time from we get saved till we get to heaven would be a disaster. We'd be living lives that would in no way be uh, uh, testimonies to the grace of God, no way in be, be able to draw others. Who who would want a God who's, who would want a salvation that is so weak and so ineffective that it makes no practical difference in the life of the person? If you're the same person you were you are you were before you were saved, that you are now, what was the point of getting saved? You know, So, sanctification is that maturing. Sanctification perfects the believer over the course of their life of faith. It makes us more like Christ. Holiness becomes the standard of living in the believer's walk. Uh, sanctification is the practical accommodation of the righteousness of Christ. When we when we're justified right so we so the brother talked about regeneration earlier so it's regeneration justification sanctification that's the that's the the big 3 if you will not lebron dwight and chris Boss, but a different big 3 regeneration justification sanctification those are the three main provisions of salvation that uh, and we and adoptions in there and And remission of sins is in there. But those three are the ones that really uh, identify us with Christ. And it's that sanctifying, the justifying part, is when the righteousness of Christ is imputed to our account. We're declared to be righteous. But in the sanctifying work, we're actually made righteous. The righteousness of Christ becomes an actual practical Reality in our day-to-day life. We begin to reflect and manifest that righteousness through our words, through our actions, through our character. And that's what testifies to the fact that we have been sanctified and that we are progressively becoming more and more like Jesus. Uh, How then are we actually sanctified? So uh, sanctification is an act of the Father, So it's God who wills our sanctification. God who sets us apart. But how does he do it? He does it through the Son and through the Spirit. So all members of the Trinity, all members of the Godhead are involved in our sanctification. Um, It's the Word of God. We are sanctified by God's Word. Jesus said, Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy Word is truth in John chapter 17. So how do we... It's, how, do, how is our mind transformed? It's transformed by the entrance of the Word of God. It's transformed when we start to think the way that God thinks. The Word becomes a very powerful cleansing and purging. Uh, Peter talks about being washed in the water of the Word. You know, it has a tremendous... You know, what we take into our brains, what we take into our minds will determine um, the things we think about, and the things we think about is determines what we say and what we do, right? So if I spend, you know, all night watching, uh, I don't know, watching horror movies, you know, vampire movies, you know, I'm, when I go to bed that night, I'm probably going to be, Feeling a little itchy around my neck, you know. (laughs) To be like, uh, I don't know if I want to if I want to turn the light off tonight. You know, what we take in affects us, and the Word of God. When we take the Word of God in, read it, meditate upon it, live by it, obey it. It has this powerful cleansing effect. It reorders our mind. It reorders our spirit. It 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 gives us you know right the right way to think. I mean, we could, we could probably pick a dozen examples off the top of our head right now of the wrong way that people think today, right? The way they think about a lot of issues is based on uh, what uh, where, where the, the old preacher, or the preacher used to come by here all the time. Uh, his brother Morellis used to say, stinking thinking, right? Stinking thinking. And uh, that's the way a lot of people think. Because they don't know the word of God. They don't have the guidance of the word of God. Um, we're sanctified by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has that cleansing power. If, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? First John chapter one. We are cleansed by the indwelling of the Spirit. So we take the Word of God, the blood of Jesus, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and this is what sanctifies our mind, our heart, and that sanctifies our bodies as being acceptable, holy temples unto the Lord. Do I have any thoughts or questions on this part?
2: Uh, Yes, Pastor. talking about reading the word meditating on the word i find that the more i meditate on the word the more i read the word is the more i beat upon myself i have a problem with the sins of omission and i read the word and i'm thinking you know i should have done that i should have called that person i should have you know i should have made excuse me i should have made more of an effort to, you know, minister to them, to, to, to just share the word with them, to invite them to church. And um, I know that basically, it's not that I'm trying to do things in my own strength, but I do pray for me. I do have a problem with sins of omission, or what I consider to be sins of omission. Well, it's
0: it's, you know, i I would start by saying, I don't think you are in any way unusual or alone as I said earlier, for me, more and more my convictions are about the things I haven't done than they are about the things that I have done and um I think that's a good that's a sign of maturity that's a sign that you're getting closer you're getting closer to the person that Christ is calling you to be um now anytime that we feel that conviction, anytime that sanctifying work of the Spirit is operating in us, you know, it's, it's, it's a cooperative effort. We have to put forth the effort as well. You know, and we said the same thing about salvation. You know, the Lord offers salvation, but we have to reciprocate with faith and repentance and, uh, you know, Confession of our sinful uh, condition and confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. And it's the same thing, and we could say the same thing about any work of God in us, whether I mean, sanctification, healing, baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's all a two-part, two-party work. God supplies the power, God supplies the wisdom, God supplies the knowledge, God supplies the the, the strength, God supplies all the resources. And then we have to take advantage of those resources and we have to reciprocate and respond. So when you feel that, and when any time we feel a conviction, it's not to make us believe or... You know, when I was an immature Christian, I was immature in my faith, I I don't know, I must have gotten saved 70 or 80 times. (laughs) I mean, in my (laughs) own mind, I felt like every time I fell every time I did something wrong, I had to get saved all over again. And, you know, I don't think there was anybody that really told me that or taught me that. It was just the way that I understood that uh, if you got saved, from that moment on, you could never, ever, ever, ever sin again or fall again. And if you did, you weren't saved anymore. And so that led me through a lot of Ups and downs and roller coasters and and uh discouragement and depression and all those things uh, and eventually I began to understand what God was trying to get through to me it wasn't that I wasn't saved anymore but that i wasn't reciprocating i wasn't responding to what the holy spirit was was calling me to be and calling me to do which is to live a holy life to be a holy person and um once i when well, you know kind of once i past that mark of maturity. Once well, I got past the whatever, kindergarten level of salvation and realized that this salvation was a a deep and abiding thing that uh, was far more powerful than I was giving it credit for. And that what God was offering me wasn't just a get out of hell ticket, but a new life. A life free of sin. A life free of compromise a life free of degrading myself and being hurtful to others and and when you begin to understand how powerful the work of sanctification is and I think it's for this reason that we we treat it as separately because it is so powerful you know salvation of course is the key thing if you're not saved you're not anything but sanctification once you're saved should become the focus of your spiritual life. Um, and then just I'll just go back to what Paul said. The, the appeal he makes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm on my knees begging you that you don't neglect this salvation, but that you present your bodies as living sacrifices. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't waste this gift of life that you've been given. And don't turn the life that you've been given into a carbon copy of the life that just that you had before, because now you're you're truly insulting the cross. Uh, Christ didn't die so that we could continue on as sinners. Paul makes that in Romans chapter six. If you, if you read the you know the best arguments for sanctification, Romans six, seven, eight, uh, which you know we've gone through at different other times in Bible studies. But this whole idea that being saved has nothing to do with being righteous. Now, Paul blows it up. John blows it up. John says if you keep practicing sin, you're still a sinner. You know, in 1 John chapter 3, you know, he who you are what you consistently do. Uh, so sanctification for us is a deliverance from the bondage of sin. It's a deliverance from the habitual Uh, falls and fails that we have and it's also there uh, to your point sister to make us aware of how far we have to go
2: Mm -hmm. to truly
0: be like Jesus we have a lot a lot of ground to make up and sanctification is what makes us aware of that and it's also what helps us it's also what helps us get there Anybody else want to speak to that? Thank you.
1: Now, in in John, the 17th chapter, and and the 17th verse, Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And in the 19th verse, he's saying, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified through the truth could you uh uh, exposit that a little for me so that it, it
0: helps my understanding yes so you know when we talk we were talking earlier about the the two uh meanings of sanctification the setting apart and then the cleansing or preparing or or making uh Worthy of that which is set apart. And I think in the passage you're quoting, both of those are um, evident. The disciples are set apart because they've heard the truth and because they believe the truth and because they've accepted the truth as uh, of who Jesus is. That's what sets them apart. That's what sanctifies them. That's what positionally moves them. So now you have this group of people, you have this large group of people that have rejected Christ and don't believe who he is. And then you have this other group of people that's now set apart that does believe who he is. So now you have a sanctified group and an unsanctified group. But then Jesus goes on to your point. He says, I sanctify myself. And what he's talking about there is, in my interpretation, is the cross. He said, I'm going to make the ultimate sacrifice be the ultimate living sacrifice so that what they believed and what has separated them by truth, by believing the word of truth, will now become a reality. It will become an actual living reality in their life. Remember a little bit earlier, Jesus was talking to them in the same conversation. He was talking to them about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And remember what he said. He said, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. Right? And I think that's back in chapter 16. If I don't go away, if I don't leave, the Comforter will never come. So what he's saying is, I'm going to go ahead and sanctify my vessel. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. By doing so, I will cleanse and purge all sin from the lies of these who've been set apart, so that the Holy Spirit can come and indwell them, and they can remain sanctified by the truth and I think it's important to to make a distinction there. Um, you can lose sanctification, you can fall for grace, you can backslide you. And I think what Jesus was saying there is, He said, "If I don't finish my work, their faith will have been for nothing. Their faith will have been uh, wasted. You know, they they will lose that privilege and that position." So I think we're seeing both applications of the doctrine there. The belief, the, the disciples themselves, separated by their faith in Christ, faith in the Word, faith in what God had said about Jesus. And then Jesus going to the cross to cleanse them from their sins, to purge them, to make them holy in reality as they'd already been made holy before the Father. And it's only when we put both sides together. It's only when we respond to Christ's work and are cleansed and are purged and are delivered from the, the the bondage and the power of sin that we can truly fulfill the full meaning of sanctification. Uh, until then, uh, we're only, I guess, we're, you know, we're only sanctified in one sense of the word, but not in the other. We've still got quite a ways to go, and it's already past 8.30, so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to end part one here where we're at and then we'll come back and finish up next week on how to pursue sanctification and holiness uh, and and righteousness. Um, I think, you know, I want to give you guys time to ask the questions and and get it it clarified in your own mind. So I I don't want to just rush through the last 10 minutes here. So uh, if that's okay with everybody, we will... We will stop here, uh, but you have your notes, and if you, uh, uh, you can think of some more questions for us next week, we'll do our best to um, answer all we can. So let's just pray in closing. Father, thank you for this time we've had tonight. Thank you for the opportunity once again to open the word, be challenged, be encouraged, be informed. Lord, we just pray for the wisdom to act, on what we've heard tonight, to incorporate it into our lives. And Lord, I want ask a special blessing on those who are part of the class tonight. Thank you for their questions. Thank you for their comments. Thank you for their interest in these matters. And we just pray, God, that you'll watch over them, you'll watch over their families, watch over their businesses, bless the work of their hands and the words of their mouth. Keep us until that time we come back together again. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone. Have a good evening. God bless you. We'll talk with you next week.
2: This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and on Wednesdays at 745 p.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. Or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida 33312. God bless you. Until next time. This is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.